Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Sean T, and I'm very excited about today's episode because this is going to be one of many episodes where one of your FitFam members gets to interview me. I'm really excited about this because a lot of times I talk to you about my life and things that are happening, and sometimes I just like to really talk about what it is that you want to know. I'm excited, but I'm a little bit nervous because today is with Jessica Bowser Nelson and she doesn't hold back. So sit back, get ready to trust and believe, and hopefully you can't see me sweating. Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, Jessica, we're here. I I'm not, I say I'm nervous. I'm not really nervous about you asking me questions. I'm just nervous on how deep I need to go. So, But I'm all about transparency. So what is your first question? Okay, so I have quite a few questions. But I want to start with, are you more afraid of failure or success? If you would have asked me that 15, 20 years ago, I would have said I'm more afraid of failure But now I would say that my fear of success is leading the charge because I'm in a place in my life where there I have so many opportunities and I get really overwhelmed very easily right now, which is something I need to work on in therapy. But um, and then the more I feel accomplished at something the more I want to do more of it. And then my life just becomes turmoil in that space. I can even just talk about today. So today I love recording podcasts. It's one I've learned so much from them when I have guests and I, it's like a therapy session when I'm talking about something that I'm going through, but I also have to develop, you know, 30 workouts and a bunch of inspiration and motivational stuff for let's get up and I have to find a location to shoot and I have to find a house to live in. I'm uprooting my family. So every little thing that I'm doing that I want to be successful at actually causes a lot of stress and I have to really start to uh, like put it in a section 
and not combine it all together because sometimes if I combine it all together, I just want to cry. Like I'm just like, and it stifles my creativity. So that's why success scares me more than being unsuccessful. And the last thing I'll say about that is I already know that I'm not, I'm not afraid of failure and I already know that I'm not going to afraid to fail because it's, it's now a habit for me to achieve my goals. Totally. And I feel like that's what you do is teach people to push to failure, to see that you can keep going. So I I knew that was going to be your answer. (laughs) What things or situations make you feel unsure about yourself? You know, whether past or present. You know, the things that now that make me feel unsure about myself, and this is probably going to go in a direction that you are not ready for. uh, Just the rebuilding of the relationship with my mom which is so crazy it has like financially career wise my friends my relationship your confidence like my confidence like nothing i think it's for a long time i struggled with my you know molestation in the past and i worked on myself and there was a lot of times where i couldn't decide whether I wanted to blame my mom or not. And now I talk to her way more. We have so much fun. We're back to where we were before I went and dove into therapy. And it is an odd new life, you know, and I don't even know if she, we've had some conversations about it. My mom gets really emotional really quickly. And so do I. So I tread lightly in how much I go there and we've had a lot, we have, we've had a good enough discussion where it's understood where we were, but now it's like, I feel like this relationship is great. I, you know, it's, I can't say what I want to say because it would ruin a surprise, but I will say that I have this like newfound, like, oh, I want to do this for my mom. And I want to do that just because of the relationship that's being rebuilt that I bet you she feels the same way, but we just haven't spoken about it, but it makes me feel unsure because it would almost seem like if you got a divorce and then like three years, four, five, maybe seven years went by and you got back with your spouse and you would be like, am I making the right decision? So I don't think I'm making the wrong decision to build the relationship with my mom. It's just just a little bit like unsure of where I fit in internally, not between me and her. And I know that is so deep. I know that I is so it. deep, but that's... So now I have more questions. Good. <laughs> okay, so first you said that you were making a decision whether or not to blame your mom. So now my question is, did you always know that was a decision? Do you know what I mean? I think some people in most scenarios, they just fall into blame. They don't really recognize it as like a choice. But you said you were making the choice whether or not to do that. Yeah, I it was always a decision because I always knew that my mom was like struggling. Like before I got molested, like he was starting a fight with her. Right. And then so I was like the next thing. So, I mean, I knew it wasn't her fault. She probably was going through something and like. You know, she's like, thank God he went up to go to the bathroom, not knowing that he came up to molest me, you know? So I always knew it was a decision, but at the same time, you know, your mom is your protector too. So it was just kind of like this like weird dichotomous situation where 
it's like even at eight years old i knew it wasn't her fault but then you know i've I've spoken about before that the reason why i didn't say anything is because i wanted to be i wanted to protect my family right so then now so all of that went into that decision of me kind of just negating the fact that whether or not it wasn't her fault i just kind of made the choice to blame her oh my god and last question. Mm. So how long has the rebuilding process taken to get you to this point today? I believe that the conversation that my mom and I had in a car when she came to L.A., I believe it was during Transform 20, I think, uh, which was two th- I was filming in 2018. It was interesting. I would say 80 to 90 percent of that conversation was about my sister and her struggles, but it open my eyes to there's open my eyes to the fact that she probably was going through the same thing then that she was going through with when I was going through what I was going through and it just made sense and so it's been two years and some now and now it's like like it definitely was like an airplane takeoff kind of thing for me. You know, she probably has no idea that I feel this way or that for me it was a rebuilding. But now I feel like if you look at it like a plane is taking off, like we are, if we're going to be cruising at 35,000 feet, we're at 28,000 feet right okay, now. Okay, so the seatbelt yeah. sign's about to come off. The seatbelt sign's about to come off and we're about to get a drink, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'll like that too. She will. Oh my gosh. Yes, we talk about having a drink all the time. Okay, I would say on a lighter note, but... (laughs) It is what it is. So what makes you really angry? Uh, My biggest pet peeve is bullying. Uh, I hate it. It, it, I don't hold my anger. And, you know, my father-in-law always talks about um, emotion, commotion. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck what kind (laughs) of emotion. If I see somebody getting bullied or, you know, if I'm getting picked on or people like... I also consider bullying people not wanting to understand what you're going through at that moment and they choose to continue to make you feel bad. I just like I hate it so much. It makes me so angry. And I remember this is not one of my proudest moments, but I was in college and I had changed my ma- not changed my major, but I added a theater dance minor to my major. And so I was the new kid in the theater department, theater dance department, but I was also the most popular because my classes were being taught at the gym and I had 60, 50, 60 people show up to my classes all the time. So there were these mean girls in the dance department and I would have my rehearsal and they would be like sitting at like a hawk when it was, when the time came for me to get out of the rehearsal studio because we were doing a um a dance concert when the time came for me to get out of rehearsal studio um i like they were just like walking in didn't even wait till i turned off the music or whatever and then so i was i was like holding my tongue because i'm a i'm a big black man and there's like these you know there's these three white girls and they're smaller than me and so i have to i have to hold my anger even though they're like being talking girls. shit about me. They're being mean girls. So I was walking out of the dance studio one day and I, I don't remember now, it's 20 plus years ago what they were saying, but they said something and I got outside 
And I remember I was with a group of friends and everyone was laughing and having a good time, but I was fuming inside beyond anything you could ever <laughs> believe. I was so mad and I just dropped my bag and I turned and I walked in the studio and one of my friends followed me in because she was like, well, what the fuck? And I went in there and I cussed this girl out so bad. Like I was, I was I'm black and I turned red. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't one of my proudest moments, but... I but she was a bully in the dance department. I was like, we ain't doing this. Nope, we're not doing this. Another time, I got bullied. Well, I guess I started getting bullied in like third grade just because I think people, you know, I guess I had effeminate qualities or whatever, and so I, I got bullied. But I I I was able to maneuver my way through that because I didn't really understand, you know. But I, you know, once I got to high school, it was just kind of like. I was like fine like I was just like me and I accepted myself and so I really didn't get bullied I was I'm not saying this to be like I'm saying it I was the most popular kid in my high school I was you know I was Sean T back then you know so it just I kind of like was able to maneuver my way through high school without being teased I mean I was a combination of an athlete I was in chorus I was a, a drill team instructor like I you know I was wore in a, all the hats yeah I wore a, a lot of hats so and I think I may have been the one that kind of turned the idea of gay around even though I didn't come out as gay it was just kind of thing however I was at a basketball game one time with my mom her friend and I had stopped playing basketball because I wanted to run track not boasting but when I played basketball, I was very good. Oh, I bet. I was very, very good at basketball, but I love track and field more. Anyway, we're sitting in a, at a game, and I'm cutting up with my friends, just being me. Mind you, I had, st- I had not gotten teased for being gay anything like in forever. Like It wasn't even a thing. Like I was just acting like me. And my mom's friend, who was at the time, if I was six, 14, 15, she was... 35, because my mom's about 20 years older than me, and so was her friend, 25, 35, 37. And she said something to the effect of, in the middle of the basketball court at the, in the stands, she was like, stop acting like a faggot. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Your mom's no, friend, my mom's grown adult. And you wanna know what I did? <laughs> I'd put it into this real quick. I turned around. I was like, you like loud. I was gonna say, was it loud? I knew it was loud. It was loud, <laughs> and everybody was like, because they heard her, they heard me, and people went right back to doing what they were doing. I think people were like, they're like, she, go team, go. <laughs> she actually deserved that. Um, I mean, again, I'm not necessarily proud of that, but I'm proud of taking up for myself. And I just know 
And even Scott talks a lot about being bullied as a kid. And I used to be like, oh my gosh, I wish I was in high school with you and people were bullying you. I take up for people. That's the thing. That's my biggest pet peeve. I hate it with a passion. It makes me so angry. Okay. So now I want to know what were, do you remember their reactions in both stories? Yeah. So the first story that happened in college, the girl stopped teasing people. And I ain't never get teased again. And she stopped teasing people because I think she, I, you know, I just put her on blast. So everyone knew that's what she did. And the second story, I pretty much never spoke to that woman again. Uh, I was kind of fine with, oh, no, 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 that's a lie. <laughs> I still don't talk to her, even if I saw her to this day. If I went to my mom's house, I'd be like, call me when she leaves. But um, one day, I was at my mom's house and she got into a fight with her sister outside of my window and they were on top of like the hood of their car. She was fighting her sister. Oh, like a physical fight. Like a fight, fight, fight. Like a real oh fight. Gosh. Like these two women fighting and I was like 15 or so years old and I remember going outside, breaking up the fight oh and I called my mom. You know, like their mom was in the door. I grew up in the hood. <laughs> Their mom was in the door. She's like, oh, my God, you guys stop fighting. And I'm, you know, I'm this. They're both bigger than me. And I'm like breaking up the fight. And then I have to call my mom and be like, oh, my God. I'm not going to say their name. Such and such and such and such. This got in the fight. And she's like, what you doing? I was like, I broke it up. Should I call the cops? It was crazy. But, um, yeah, she never wow. talked. She never talked crap about me again. Okay. So I know that you've referenced the golden rule before. But my mm-hmm. question is, if you were to create a new golden rule, what would it be? Oh, that's a really good question. A new golden rule would be mind your business, but if someone asks you for help, help enhance their business. Meaning it could be their business business. It could be their life. Because one of the things that I realized during the pandemic is I'm like, let me just mind my business because the world is so divisive that I just believe that Two people are on the opposite side of the street yelling at each other. And I'm just like, let me mind my business and you can think whatever the way you want. But if you want to have a conversation, I'm completely fine with that. So I just like mind my business and I help or enhance, enhance their business, or which I like. Because if you are choosing to engage, then it's with the mission of helping them. Yeah. Like I have a friend like, you know, the mask is like this big thing. Right. And so I have a friend that has a certain view on masks. And instead of like writing into her comments or like being like (laughs) stupid and being like, you know, I was just like, I call her up. Can I ask you a question? I was like, can I ask you a question? And we talked about it and it was amazing to be like, it's not just, I like a mask and you don't, or you like a mask and I don't. It was, this is why. And I was able to ask questions and regardless of how she thinks, we never have to talk about that again because I know exactly why she thinks so. And it's not something like, you know, racism or something like that where you're just like, this is unacceptable. Right. It's, it's really what people choose. And I think a lot of times what people are choosing to do with their life, we get in their business because they choose to do what they want to do. And I'm like, I'm not... Look, if you want me to help enhance your life, I'm completely there. Um, I will ask questions and communicate with you, but I'm minding my business okay and me and scott i want to go a little bit further you know and alex has said this before to me and scott but we would have friends sometimes that get mad at us because like 
we didn't have time to hang out with them or we didn't fly to their house. So they see us, you know, they might see us hanging out with Alex and they're like, well, I saw you hanging out with such and such. And I'm like, why? I don't do that to people. If I'm important enough for you to want to hang out with me, you will. If I'm important enough for you to only text me, you will. If I'm important <laughs> enough for a phone call, <laughs> that's what we'll do. I, for me, you choose, like, let's take me and you, for instance. We're a bit very busy, but I choose to, I choose the kind of relationship I want to have with you. If I wanted to call you up every day or leave you a message of love and inspiration or whatever, and you never wrote me back and that didn't bother me, I'm still going to do it. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, like you never write me back. I think we've established a good enough relationship. I've gotten enough from you to know that I know you're receiving this, right? And so I'm fine with that. And so that's the other thing is give without expecting. That's kind of like another part of that. And that's where the enhanced, you know, other people's lives come from. Okay, I'm done. That's so good. (laughs) Okay, now we officially have more than one golden (laughs) one. Yes, we do. (laughs) Okay, so what do you find more motivating, praise or criticism? Praise. Um, And... I don't know. It, criticism is, is a hard one because if you, is it constructive criticism, though? I would say yes. Okay. If, if it's praise versus constructive criticism, I would say constructive criticism. In today's time, I think people criticize to make themselves feel better. So right. I just want to... But if it's constructive criticism, while it hurts at first a lot of times, it's going to make me better. I believe that it makes you better. Um, especially somebody like me where, you know, I know... Like, I'm creating a workout program right now, right? I know I can create a workout program. And I know I can put it together. And I know I can dance. And I know I can shoot. But when I have the phone calls with my producers and things, I'm like, I want you to be extremely tough on whether you think this is top-notch or not. You know, because... If I want to get better every day, I have to listen to outside people. So I believe that construction criticism for me, you know, it works better for me. I mean, I love a little praise. <laughs> Not going to shut down the praise. <laughs> I love a little praise. But almost like more than praise, though, I actually like proving more than I like praise. For instance, right. when I get Which on... Which I think it, where, is the, the stem of the question. Right. What motivates you? Because you want to prove... Yeah. That you can step up to the criticism, so to speak. It's very true. So like in tennis, I don't like for my coach to tell me whether I did good or bad necessarily. I like to win points. And then they say, I like to see the sweat on their face. I like to see them running because then I'm proving to myself that I'm actually creating the action that gets me the reward. You know, right. so, but constructive criticism, like when we go sit down at the bench, if I'm having a fucked up tennis practice, I need you to get in my ass, like to be like, you need to pull it together. And most right. of the time, like, they're really great. Like they'll, most of the time my struggle, believe it or not, even though I have conquered your mind on my arm, most of the time my struggle is mental. And that's why I have it as a reminder. And I think people miss that. I think they think you don't have that struggle because that's like you're the core of your message but that's why it's the core of your message these are all reminders these aren't these aren't sean has it together (laughs) they're reminders conquer your mind transform your life dig deeper trust and believe like these are all re 
minders for me. Um, and the next tattoo that I'm getting is going to be based around always moving forward. And so, and, but it's a reminder because of the question, I believe it was the first question, which is, you know, the more successful I get, the tougher it is, right? It's so it's tough, but I can't go backwards. So I have to continue to step into the, you know, go against that barrier, but going against the grain or break it down or whatever, always a hurdle. Um, and that's not a negative thing. I mean, I just think that with success comes hurdles and I just ugh, always want to move forward. That's so good. So when is the tattoo coming? I'm in a process. I really want to get it before I shoot. Which so is like in bad, a month. Which is like in a month because I just really want to showcase it then. Oh. Do you know oh where it's God. going? Yes. Are you going to tell us? No. <laughs> Especially not you. Because I tried. You, I can never hold a secret from you. The goal I'm would like, be you'll to tell hold, me in 24 hours. The goal, I know. <laughs> the goal would be to hold that secret from Jessica or Danielle. You two are the fucking worst, man. <laughs> Danielle, Natoni, and Jessica are the worst. You're like, like I'll they, tell the world, just not Jessica. They Danielle. cannot, like, I have a hard time holding <laughs> secrets from y'all because y'all so nosy. Okay, go. <laughs> okay, if you had to choose, would you rather be loved or love? I have to relate that question to a specific person. So I'm going to relate that question to Scott. And while it definitely teeters because you want both, right? For me, I feel so much better loving him like specifically giving to him because i just i truly believe you know i've been dumped before i've been through the whole gamut like i truly believe and my mom taught me this is one of the biggest lessons you know some people may not like you or they may not continue to love you but they're not the last person on the planet right and they're and you can leave that situation by just being able to walk away with your head held high. I mean, I was engaged before I met Scott and I broke off an engagement, you know, so like rings and everything, rings and everything. Did you get the ring back? I, well, I proposed. So no, did you I get the ring. ring back? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I want, you know, the thing is it wasn't about the ring. It was about, the respect to break off an engagement because I knew I couldn't give it my all. And, right. and I personally feel like that is the biggest testament of love, even though people don't do that. Imagine if I didn't break up with that person, right? First of all, I'm ridding myself of this life that I, was, I would have been able to get. Secondly, I'm faking, the, I'm faking a life with this person who thinks that I really love them. So at the end of the day, it just feels so much better for me to give. It's like, you know, give without expecting. I think that it just kind of goes hand in hand. That's so interesting. Like, I love my friends. Like, I don't need anything. I, I, yes, I need things. Like, I need love. Right. Well, it was just if you had to choose one. I'm not, your life right. isn't moving forward but I with do, only one. Correct. Correct. And, but I do, like, even with my friends, like, I love my friends. I love buying them things. Like, I love it. I, and even if it's not buying, it's just like checking on them or just like, right. it's just being intentional. Yeah. I mean, intentionally loving. Right. Like think about my career. My career is to help people succeed. That's it's where I get right. my biggest high. Yeah. Okay, so what is one dream that you have yet to accomplish? Oh, there's many. Um I know people are probably so sick of tennis, but <laughs> um 
I just really want to win a tournament, like a high level tournament. I really, I know this is, I would hate, I hate to say this is not going to happen, but it would be so hard for it to happen. It would be a dream of mine to play mixed doubles at the U.S. Open, opening round. I don't even care if I lose. I just want to play. <laughs> but uh, I mean, if we're going to dream, we might as well. I dream big. <laughs> um, but outside of that, like, I don't know. I think I've really, I think to really answer that question outside of something like tennis, I think it's just, it's waiting in the wings because I just, I've accomplished a lot, you know, and a lot of people can't say that. A lot of my dreams I've been, like, they have come true. But I don't know if it's because they have tangibly come true or because I have created moments in my life and I've made choices in my life to continue to try and get me to a better place. So, you know, here comes the psychology behind this question. And that is, you know, can you really answer that question? Because you don't even know what dreams are waiting in the wings. True. But I think that, you know, you know, I have a great marriage. I have kids, which was a nightmare to have. <laughs> you know, that was a five-year process. So that was a struggle. Um, you know, I have a house. I have cars. I have great friends. I have a business. For me, it's like anything that's anything from this point forward is something that I create, a choice that I make. And most of the time, it's waiting in the wings and I don't even know. And that's And I'm not being conceited. I'm just being like extremely honest. Like that's where I'm at in my life. But that's exciting because you did a lot to get to this place. Yeah, the struggle was real. But it also means real. you're not done, you know. No, I think that I used to, like my anxiety used to be so bad that I was always worried about the future. I was always worried about if I'm going to get it. And, I'm, and I am not that, I'm not like that with life. I'm still like that with health. Like, I, you know, I still have a little issue with that, but I'm not like that in terms of life. I'm like that more in terms of like, I still struggle with health anxiety, but in terms of like accomplishing goals and stuff like that, I'm just like, well, I have a really great team. You know, I have a really great team. Like I really can, I really have no business stressing about my business except for doing too much. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, so, you know, I think, and I have a really great family or whatever. So it's just, it's like waiting in the wings. I think my next big goals or dreams are. That's great. Okay, so what do you think is one thing people misunderstand about you? I don't know because I believe that what I think people misunderstand about me is my own insecurity. Meaning Meaning like I don't I don't think I have an answer to that question, but I think I still react to being a gay man I think I still react to not looking like a bodybuilder you know like I so I think it's just like it's my my insecurities are pretty much the answer to that question because so are you saying that people don't understand that you have those insecurities no I think that and this is gonna sound really crazy technically I don't really give a fuck what people think about me but Technically, I do. Right. Meaning, like, I don't have the one thing that people, I think people misunderstand about me. I have the insecurity of, like, getting over, do I look good enough? Or am I, am I too gay? Not that I put a lot of emphasis on that, but that they're just examples. Um, 
Because I really, really, for the most part, don't care what people think about me. The thing, because I don't know that I don't know what people misunderstand about me. I only I focus more on my insecurities than because if you were to say, you know, Sean, I think you're like X, and it's not true. I'm like, well, that's a problem that you're gonna have to get over. Right. But my insecurities are much. Have way much heavier than what someone would misunderstand about me. Does that now, make sense? Now, if you don't care what people think about you, then why do you care? So is it that you care right. that you might be too gay or not the right body or, you know? I really don't think, I don't really care if people think I'm too gay. Um, but, but do I, you care? Not, no, I'm just saying, they, they, that was like a past thing. The body thing that I'm getting over you know i just talked about that but i don't know i don't think i don't know what i mean i think it's more of a world of social media but i don't even know So it's more like you just don't want to deal with it than you actually like care yeah i don't know i think i don't know what people misunderstand about me though like no one's ever been mad at me for something that's really not true i mean at least i don't think or maybe it's really hard for me because if someone were to have a misunderstanding with me then you like, know that's on them because you're either, well, you're very transparent, so it's not like you've misled. It doesn't have either to be that's like, on them or I want to talk about it. Right. I'd rather discuss what it is so that because their perception of me is true. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Like, your perception of me, even if it's not true, is true for you. And so I can explain that that is not true, but it's not my job to change your mind. You know, it's my job to continue to be me, but I'm very open to the discussion. I think if I had an example, it might be different, but I, I really think that my biggest thing is really like if I'm insecure about something, that weighs more heavily on if someone, if I'm misunderstood by right, someone. That makes sense. I'm just picking on you. No, good. I mean, they're hard. It's a hard question. Okay. So what makes you feel like you need to be alone? Like what happens where you're like everything (laughs) Everything makes me feel like I want to be alone 90% of the time. I love being by myself. It is my favorite place to be. You know, it sounds crazy because I'm like, oh, I have a great family and I love my kids. Right. But I. Well, and you're like the life of a crowd. So I think that might be surprising. To oh. hear that 90% of the time you want everyone else to go away. Yo, I like legitimately love being by myself. I always said, and this is not funny, but it's very true. I always said, if I went to prison, I'm totally fine <laughs> oh, with being no. in solitary confinement. I'm like, because I don't want to deal with them people. <laughs> You're like, do we get snacks? I think that too, you know, my biggest, my, like, I think the bigger, the biggest problems in my life are people. And so, 
if I don't bother you and you don't bother me, I'm fine. And the only way for that to happen is if I'm by myself. So, (laughs) but I think that's also why I really try to have really great communication to eliminate the divide or, you know, but I mean, I love. Or where you need to be put in solitary confinement. (laughs) It's so funny. Like, I think that maybe that goes back to your question of what do you think people misunderstand about you? I think people really think I like being around people. (laughs) There you go. And I really don't. I really don't like being around You can't people. wait for me to leave you guys. Like, get <laughs> out. No. I mean, like, I like being around you. I like being around, you know, Alex and Chip and Scott. And, you know, people I, are waiting for their name right now. <laughs> the rest of y'all, I can't stand y'all. No, I mean, there are people I like being around, but even you, I'm like, I'll come over for a couple hours, but I'm like, girl, I gotta go. You're like the buzzer sounded. Me and, my, me and my friend Draco, right? We used to do the same thing and we had the we had this mutual understanding. If me and my friend Draco were going to a party together or a club back in the day, we knew that one of us was gonna disappear between 45 minutes and an hour and 15 minutes in. And we ain't telling you we're leaving. <laughs> I used to, my friends would be like, can you go to the club? Can you go to the club? I didn't really want to go, but then I was just kind of like, you know, but I'm going to be sitting home doing nothing, so maybe I'll go have a drink or whatever, right? And then my friends would get drunk. They would have three drinks, and they would either start dancing with people or meeting with people, and I would dip out, and I would go home. And this was before, like, Netflix and all that stuff, but I would go home, and I would, like, watch TV, and I would be like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm not, I'm not going to be hungover. And I would, like, stop at Jack in the Box in a way and get my, like, you had dollar your menu. And, but even now, so Scott and I have this, you know, this agreement that, on specific days of the week, we each get a day of the week that's to ourselves. And Scott is not someone that would have ever done that because he's like, if he's not, you know, cleaning up after a kid, he's hanging the clothes. If he's not hanging the clothes, he's putting like he's in the busy. laundry. If he's not doing the laundry, he's like... He's task-oriented. He would, he would be out there snow blowing, and we don't even have snow in Arizona, right? Like, that is just his... That's just his thing. He just... You know, we would be sitting down at night and I'm like, oh, like we're going to go upstairs. I'm thinking we're going to have intimate time. And 20 minutes later, he, I hear like doors slamming and sweepers going. And I'm like, what the, f-? you know, so, <laughs> you know, and, but he would also be extremely stressed. And I'm on the opposite. And I'm like, I can do the laundry in three days. And he's like, oh, my God, that would drive me crazy. Right. So we're on the opposite end of that. But simultaneously, we're like super stressed. Not now. The kids are great now. Like I could hang out with them all day for the most part. Maybe most of the day, not all day. But, you know, we were in a time where it was just exhausting and it took two of us and whatever. So I was like, you need to have, we need to have our days of the week off. And he would spend the night here at the Transformation Center from Friday to Saturday. He wouldn't come back home till 530. And the same thing, Saturday night, I would help him put the boys to bed. They went to bed. I would come over to the Transformation Center until Sunday. And the more that the boys became manageable, the less we spend alone or, but we still create that alone time because it's really important. But it was because of me. Cause I was like, I got to find a way to get away. I got to find a way to get away from these people, including him, including the two kids. But the interesting thing is Scott didn't realize how good it was to just stop. So he was, a, he adjusted. Yeah. And the other, and the flip side of that is, 
before he comes home on a Saturday, I try to get the laundry done. You know, I vacuum. I like, which I get, I'm sure that helps. So he's not like thinking everything's not, backlogging want, now. You know, yeah, I want him to walk in the house and be like, he will. St- the house can be spick and span. He'll find something, and he will break down the box and take it to the recycle bin. I'm like, would you? Scott just is my spirit that? animal. I know. That's why why we're close friends. I was like, should I come over when he's at transformation center and do some chores? <laughs> like, this sounds great. I'm like, would you just sit down? But anyway, so I developed that alone time because I just think it's so important and very positively selfish. Ninety <laughs> percent of the time, There's both we know what you're thinking. You're now. not even gonna like me after this interview. Right? It's only fine. <laughs> They're like, well, it's good there's no live events because like, he doesn't want to be here. Can you just stick to working out? <laughs> I like live events, but because it has a beginning and it has an ending. <laughs> there you go. As long as it stays on time. But, you know, like that goes to, that goes, gets me to another question. Even like creating workouts or live events like that or whatever, when I have a TV show to film or whatever, shoot, I give 100%. And if you tell me that I'm done at 306, I'm, I'm giving 100% to 306. I'm going to exhaust myself. So don't ask me to do nothing else because I need to go be by myself. Clear expectations. That's Clear. all you need. So, okay. what scene in a movie has evoked the most feeling out of you and why? The movie is Collateral Beauty. And it was in the beginning of the movie when Will Smith was talking. That scene in that movie is the best motivational speech I have ever heard of. And it was at a time where I really realized that I I wasn't over or didn't have any full closure of my grandparents' death. And I was just every time I would think about them, it would be it would just be I'm sad that they died. Right. Oh, my God. If you asked me this question before and, you know, I would have cried talking about my grandparents. Like it would just be like this really somber, like sad thing. Still probably a little bit uh, teary eyed. But here's what's amazing. That movie was just just make sure you recognize the collateral beauty. And I started to change my mindset and how my grandparents impacted my life instead of just thinking about the sad moments and sad that they're not here anymore and thinking about the fact that they saved my life and that whole thing. And I started carrying their legacy with me and the things that they've done. Are you ready? So Sunday was the 12-year anniversary of my grandmother passing. Usually every day in that year, I have a crazy emotional breakdown up to the collateral beauty. I have a crazy emotional breakdown. I like like personally, internally, and I'm just like trying to get over it. And this time my mom sent me a picture of her tombstone and I did not cry. And I was I was literally questioning like, why am I not crying? Like, this is so crazy. And it's really because I have trained myself to recognize the collateral beauty. And then it made me recognize the collateral beauty in that everything not to say that i'm not emotional because i love crying but it really helped me recognize the collateral beauty and so for people who don't know that about first of all don't watch the movie i'm gonna go watch that movie today oh my gosh i come over and we should watch it together um it's not like it was the most you know it wasn't like the most the sixth sense or whatever that movie is you know but it was if you really watch the movie and you are struggling with someone who died or if you really struggle with 
losing someone or losing a friend or relationships or whatever, there's a really great way to continue to move on and and be able to carry the positive moments from that person, that place, that thing or that situation you've been through. And I and I didn't even think about that until just now, but like I think even when I start up therapy again, I think I want to just dive back into my sexual abuse. And I think I've done this now is like I recognize a collateral beauty. Like I can go back to 8-year-old Sean, Shawnee and say thank you. And I used to go back to 8-year-old Shawnee and say thank you and I would cry. But now I'm just like, no, like he's this powerful figure in my life that endured being molested almost every day for four years, right? So it's just, so yeah, the collateral beauty. Oh my gosh, I'm going to watch that movie so today. Oh, so anyway, everyone, thank you so much. Jessica, thank you. That was so interesting. I, who needs a therapist when you have a Jessica? <laughs> I don't need a therapist. But I hope you enjoyed that. And maybe you can send this interview to a friend or maybe your spouse or someone you're really close to and actually have a conversation about these questions because they were really good questions and they really make you think deep within. Uh, we will be having more of these. I actually really enjoy it. I think the next Fit Fan member that's going to interview me is Lori Nudie. So stay out on the lookout for that. I'm very nervous at that because she's going to go deep too. And um, yeah, so answer these questions for yourself. And hopefully they help you trust and believe in who you are. And I'll see you next time or you'll see me or you'll hear me or something. But peace out. <laughs>